Not all of us are positive change agents. Some of us specialize in critiquing, seeing where it'll fail, and wishing things were different but not taking steps. Those of us like that have a lot of butts. Not the cigarette or anatomy kind. I'm talking about the yeah, but kind. When an idea, new initiative, unforeseen obstacle pops up, the well, yeah, but folks find every reason not to move. Then there's those who have a disposition of yes, and every good improviser knows that the scene keeps going when you have a partner who will yes and your last statement. Otherwise, scene over and you're dead in front of an audience. The yes and people are agents of change. They listen. They have more passion than fear of failure. They have ideas, but also know that they don't have the full picture. These are leaders who somehow can say no to good things and still be yes and people. If you have them in your life, you will recognize them as folks who do a ton of impactful things and sometimes have to postpone lunch or coffee. Yes and folks aren't stuck. They help you feel and see the options. They walk with you into unknown situations. That's the type of leader we want to follow. And that's who I interview in this episode. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode helps make passion practical. In today's episode, Dr. Lynn Akey talks about stepping in as the new chancellor at my alma mater, the University of Wisconsin Parkside. You will see that Dr. Akey is a passionate, yes and type of leader, someone you'd like to follow. And with that, please enjoy this week's episode. I describe myself as an engaged leader um, who's passionate about transforming lives and making a difference and um, have really found, you know, my passion to do that um, in higher education um, and really bringing sort of my high energy and strong work ethic and, and being really diligent um, to higher education because I really do believe it's an amazing way to impact um, students' lives and individuals' lives and therefore um, our communities, our region, and the state. And so that, that's how I feel most passionate about making my contribution to the world. Um, and so I've continued to do that since very early on in my career all the way to today, um, really looking for that opportunity to make a difference. And that's really what's brought me to University of Wisconsin Parkside now. That's good. I, I, had, I have another question that I want to ask you about your career trajectory. But before we go there, <clears throat> you, you mentioned something about uh, transformation. Uh, I, thought, I thought I heard you say that. Can you talk a little bit about transformation? Because I, I, that, that is a thing that is popular in leadership. I don't know how often people break down some of the precursors to transformation, what's needed in uh, the specific leader that's leading the charge for transformation. So if you could just, it, again, it's a wide open thing, but I'd love to hear when you think of transformation, what are some of the aspects of it that pop into your mind? Maybe leadership characteristics that are that are needed for that to take place. Um, anything that you would like to add to to that transformation aspect? 
Sure. I think about transformation a lot and um, certainly very relevant to higher education. So I'll, I'll probably put it in that context and then certainly uh, try to widen it back up here and thinking about the, the leadership that's required. You know, I, as I'm thinking about the challenges that are in front of us or opportunities um, that we have, maybe at higher education or um, just within um, our world right now, you know, the types of um, challenges that we have are those adaptive challenges in which there are no clear-cut solutions or easy answers. You just can't hit that easy button. Um, and it really requires us to think about new ways of being and doing um, what we have historically um, done. And so it's, it's not just about, as sometimes I speak with my team, it's, it's not about how do we nibble at the edges or just make that incremental adjustment. It's about how do we step back and really reframe what it is we're trying to accomplish and the pathways to get there and the new ways in which um, we can work to achieve that. Now, one I think the, of the trickiest aspects of doing that type of work is that often it means we have to work with others in a way we've not in the past. Either that be within our organizations or that means in how we connect with other organizations. So we really have to reach out and think about how we partner and collaborate with others. So I think that, you know, bringing that back to what does that mean as a leader? Um, to do that kind of work. I, I do think that it requires someone who can help bring a vision out of others, right? And help form and shape a vision that perhaps folks might be just beginning to uh, realize or uh, different aspects of the organization might be starting to communicate or share, but really being able to listen and to bring that together and to help folks identify with something that's perhaps even bigger than the parts, right, can really see the whole and the potential um, that exists. That sometimes when we're within a situation or we've been in an organization for a long time, we might not be able to see. We might believe it's there, but we're not quite sure how to articulate it or get at it or go about reaching it. And so, you know, the, the, the part of the work that I love so much is being able to bring individuals together, either within or across or outside an organization, to really step back and ask some of those big questions, to dream a little bit, to be bold um, a little bit, and then to really start to say, and how might we reach that? Right? Um, letting go of some of the ways we've always been, perhaps letting go of some of the ways we believe it must be, so that we can actually pursue a new dream for the future. And then, you know, from that, you know, kind of co-creation of what we're looking for and how we might get there, really start to put the pieces together to pave that path forward. And that's really where I think the energy comes from, you know, particularly for folks who might have been a part of an organization for a long time or at an institution or a part of a, a company that's struggling to realize that the power and the ability to make a change is often right here within us or around us. Um, sometimes we need to bring in some expertise. Sometimes we need to reach out and ask for help or support in new ways. But we have that potential. I absolutely believe it. Um, it's a matter of bringing that potential to bear and then putting it on the pathway um, to really move us forward towards what we're trying to achieve. 
so those are the kinds of, you know, leadership skills. So someone who's really willing to listen, um, to do their best, to understand, um, to hear the, the different parts of the vision that, that might exist but haven't been brought together, to help point out potential pathways forward, and then to support folks and remove obstacles to make that transformation happen. That's great. I'm really glad. <laughs> that I that we took that little bunny trail because that that is valuable stuff. This episode of the Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by our friends at CCB Technology. The folks at CCB Technology believe that you should get what you pay for. But the only thing that they can really control is if you do business with them on outsourced IT stuff because then you would get what you pay for. So, sorry if that burger wasn't that good last night. We can't help with that. The IT industry has terms that are way overused. Managed services is one of them. That could mean anything from watching a screen, bouncing around with internet activity, to showing up on site at your business, making sure that that thing on the back of the security camera is plugged in. Well, that's not what CCB technology is talking about. Now, when I was in the insurance industry, people would say that they had full coverage or they would ask their insurance agent for, in quotes, full coverage. No one ever knew what that meant, but it felt good to say because it seemed like, well, we're covered, I guess. Yeah, you'll find out when the basement floods. It's the same with the term managed services. It sounds nice, but are you covered? Well, I don't know. We'll find out when your server crashes and they don't have an engineer to show up because you don't need somebody plugging in your security camera when your uh, server goes down. You need a server specialized engineer. So to the folks at CCB Technology, managed services is a customizable and scalable solution for meeting your organization's IT needs. What does that mean practically? It could be helping Paula connect her laptop to the printer and Paula could be at home because CCB technology does that. It could be ensuring backups of vital data are taking place, or it could be alerting your IT guy, James, that suspicious login activity has taken place. We call that co-managing an environment. I call it the tag team championship of the world. And then I picture Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior forming the ultimate power alliance and the universe, brother. Yeah, brother. Ooh, the cream of the crop rises to the top. To CCB, it's based on your need and spelled out in terms you can understand. Because you should clearly know what you're paying for and that the solution that you're paying for is based fully on your organization's needs. If you don't know what they are doing Reach out to CCB and gain clarity. CCB Technology wants to be your trusted partner when it comes to outsourcing your IT support. When it comes to outsourced IT, you just can't get better than CCB Technology. Don't settle for hoping it works out. Go to ccbtechnology.com and start relying on a trusted partner. One thing I heard you say as well is uh, the ability to adapt. So adaptation. Um, I think that is a a core piece to what you were just talking about, both on the, the, the leader who, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's authoritative as far as the title goes, or maybe that they don't have a title and they're still influencing change within whatever their context is. The ability to adapt to the challenges in front of you, uh, you know, can change perspective for you and those around you. Um, and and that I heard you saying that, and I'm listening to the through line of, that being one of the things, not all of them, but one of the things uh, as you're listening to people of the challenges you're coming up against or changes that need to be made. And I also heard something else, uh, trust. So building trust with the team. If, you, if people trust you, um, then they'll, they'll go 
uh, I've heard it said, nobody's going to follow you into a fog. And so uh, those attributes that you're saying uh, of listening, of demonstrating the way, um, building trust within your team, it's great. It's great. I love, I, I love this. So thank you for, uh, for humoring me with that, with that uh, secondary yeah. question. Now backing up a little bit, I would love to hear a little bit more. Um, I enjoyed it yesterday at the event at Parkside hearing it, but for those, uh, for the, the majority of the people listening in probably weren't there. So, so career trajectory, how did you end up at, uh, University of Wisconsin Parkside? Sure. So my, my journey, you know, certainly I'd start off by, you know, just a little bit of personal background and that I was born and primarily raised in Illinois. Um, really do call the upper Midwest home. Um, as I've spent my entire life across the upper Midwest. And, you know, I began my journey after uh, finishing high school um, at a public small liberal arts institution. Uh, reminds me a lot of the University of Wisconsin Parkside out in Missouri. And it was there that I probably first found uh, my passion for higher education, not because it was one of those moments, as, as many expect, when you, you know, you're going to wake up and it sort of just like hits you like a bolt of lightning. It was that process of, you know, slowly over time recognizing where I had skill as well as where I was fueled. Right. And really found that passion for for making a difference in others in higher education. You know, I found as I went through my undergraduate experience, I continued to gravitate towards engaging with others, be it through student life, um, within um, the residence halls, and really got my footing there and co-teaching with, with faculty on campus. And so it was straight from my undergraduate experience that that's when I pursued my master's in college student personnel in Ohio at Bowling Green State University and really found that I loved working with young people, um, young adults to help them discover their passion right, and their potential um, and to really help set them off to what they could do in the future. There's just nothing for me that's more rewarding um, than seeing that happen. And so as I wrapped up my master's degree, uh, I was working a little bit at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor and really started working there in the work in the field of planning. And I was working with that institution, particularly in their housing unit, thinking about how do you create community in a really large place such that students who might be coming from smaller communities to a very large community or very large institution or organization could find their place, their sense of community and belonging. I love that work, and that has, has stuck with me as I've moved forward. I, I left um, my master's um, finishing that and then went to Iowa State University in Ames and, again, continued around um, my work in university housing, continued my passion for thinking about living and learning and creating community. And that's what then eventually took me on my journey to Minnesota State University, Mankato, where I've been for, gosh, it was there for a little over 23 years. Um, and, and, you know, as a part of that, I had an opportunity to work, continue working in student life for kind of the first half of my career in various different roles, be it uh, within, you know, housing and learning communities, be it in academic advising for 400 students. I worked in orientation for students as well as for families and those who support uh, students. 
And then my journey took me a little bit more into the administration of higher education. And I started working more in planning and budget and personnel and um, assessment of impact and continuous improvement work uh, really became a part of my life. And that really took me then into um, the other side of higher education, really academics um, and working around program development um, and improvement um, and institutional kind of continuous improvement work. And then I was blessed uh, to be asked to step into the role of the vice president for student success. And that was just a, a perfect opportunity for me um, to bring all of my passions together um, around working and focused on what does it take to maximize the success that our students can have, um, via it through their academics or through their social campus life connections or between our ability to look to deliver high impact experiences. And, you know, loved uh, doing that work. And as a part of doing that work, you know, frequently found myself on the other end of, Lynn, you should consider your next step um, professionally. And, and I wasn't quite sure when or if uh, that next step might occur. I have always had the mind frame um, at this point in, in my career that I'm really driven by what I'm passionate about and my belief that I can make a difference. Um, and so, you know, really when the opportunity here at University of Wisconsin Parkside came up, I, I wasn't quite certain until I really engaged in the interview process. And I, I just felt there was such a perfect fit for what I could bring, the value um, I could add, the types of conversations we're having here, the community that Parkside is a part of that said, yeah, this is the place I, I need to be right now and where I think I can can make an impact. And so that's really what brought me here to Parkside. I, I haven't known uh, a lot about Parkside. I, I came to know about Parkside in May of about 2021. Um, and that was because my son was uh, searching for his college experience. And we had been to a number of institution, this, institutions. This was late in his uh, senior year. And he was really looking for the right place to pursue his academic interest as well as continue to be um, a student athlete. And Parkside suddenly emerged on the map um, because of that. And so we loaded up the vehicle and over we came uh, to Kenosha and Racine, Wisconsin to check this University of Wisconsin Parkside out. And he eventually chose Parkside um, as his institution to pursue his education. And so I've had an opportunity over the last few years just to visit um, Kenosha and the Racine area as I've been visiting with him. And I would say about two years ago, funny enough, my husband, uh, Torin, and I were here walking on campus as we were coming to visit him. And uh, we still recall this moment as we were walking right next to the Student Activity Center and said, you know, this would be a great place to be. Um, we could really see ourselves here uh, and as, as, you know, living in the future, um, not knowing at that time that this situation would present itself. And, and here I am now. And so it just feels like so many parts have come together uh, to just make this a great a great place to be and a, and a perfect fit for right now. We are glad to have you. Uh, it was great to meet your husband yesterday too. It was fun chatting with him. I I, I apologize again for keeping him on the side for so long. Yeah, <laughs> he was, oh, no, he was he supposed to be walking it. with you, and I kept asking him more. Yeah, well, it, it was it was fun. He was it was very easy to engage with, and it was almost yeah. like uh, le learning more about him too. It was almost like a homecoming for him because of the family ties and uh, yes. you, you you all. 
are, uh, from what I've seen in, in my limited time and, and also what people have said to me, um, people that work with you and, and for you have said, um, you all are a great fit, uh, being here. And, uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad that there, you know, there was a, there was a time before the job interviews where it was already kind of the seeds were getting planted. This could be a good place for us to be because you're a whole person. You're not just someone to take charge of a university. You have a family and, um, you know, we want our, we want our people that are around us and in our community to like being here because <laughs> there's enough negativity in the world. So thank you for, um, for choosing to be here, but then also it's, it's encouraging to know that you, you know, your family does already have some roots on, on your husband's side and then, yes, um, yeah. And, and being back, being back here. So, um, in every leadership transition, there's great things and there's difficult things. I've I've heard John Maxwell say the bigger the obstacle, the bigger the opportunity. You actually uh, earlier when you were ta- talking about uh, some challenges, and then you you switched. I heard your verbiage switched opportunities. I caught that, and I'm like, oh, we're, we're ta- speaking the same language here. So bigger the obstacle, bigger the opportunity, which is a nice phrase until you're <laughs> until you're facing the challenges. So easy to post on LinkedIn and not so cute when you're in it. So I would love I would love to hear from you. What are some of the obstacles or opportunities that you're encountering? How are you navigating them? Um, again, another wide open question, but there's great things, there's difficult things. Where would you Where would you lead us in that? Sure. Well, I think you know that the challenges um, that we're facing certainly here at University of Wisconsin Parkside are no strangers to most higher education institutions, particularly regional comprehensive universities. You know, we've had some real challenges around public perception of higher education and the value of that experience, in, in and and when to maybe tap into that experience, if at all. We've certainly, you know, experienced um, some challenges in making sure that the education we provide is, is affordable, is accessible to to as many people as possible as we're balancing the rising costs of what it means to provide those high quality academic programs and those high impact experiences. And so to me, that's at the core um, of the, the challenge um, that we've encountered and that the ways in which we have offered higher education in the past and that maybe um, more traditional format of, you know, you, you come for four years, you're fully dedicated to your studies, you then get that degree and then you're launched uh, into the workplace. That is very quickly evolving. We have many of our students who are of the traditional age and those who are beyond who are saying, I need to be able to do more than that. Um, I, guess want that higher education experience. I want to continue my studies, but I also need to engage fully in life in other ways at the same time. Whether it's I have a family or I have dependents, um, people that I need to care for, whether it's I also need to be able to work a full-time job um, with healthcare and, and benefits and or I believe you know I need to get a start um, in other ways um, and within my community and so I can't step aside and sometimes I hear students say that I can't step away from my life um, to come and do this for four years and so I, I think that we have to alter the way in which we provide the learning experience that we have for students and can deliver that impact 
that students are looking for. So I think there's a number of different ways, new, new models of, of doing that, that we have to challenge ourselves to reach for, you know, so, and go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just interested as you're, these are huge. I mean, these are, these are huge things that you, that you're t- taking on yeah. um, public perception and, and, uh, and, and also the lives of people that you, you take it off the paper. We need students they have to work jobs. And then you talk to a student who has two or three jobs or mm-hmm. is the first in their family to go to college and they're paying for it themselves and whatever. So where I was jumping to was what have your team meetings been like as you all have uh, tackled these topics internally? How have you structured those? Because not only do you have these opportunities slash obstacles in front of you, you're also new to the organization. So I think there could be something for us to glean um, from you as to like, what have your team meetings been like? Is, is there anything that you could pull the curtain back on as, as far as things that we could do internally uh, at, at our organizations as well? You know, that that's an interesting question. And I think we're still, I guess, you know, getting started here as I'm only, you know, a few weeks in uh, to the journey. But, you know, first off, it's, you know, we, we start off each of our leadership team meetings right now with our Parkside Proud Moments. And we talk about um, the things that we're proud of um, that the university or our students or our faculty and the staff or our community have accomplished. And, and I think that's a good way to a start off in, in reminding ourselves about the impact we're already making and to highlight where we already have um, tremendous strength within our community and either community campus wide or, or community uh, more broadly. And then, you know, for me, it's about listening um, and hearing the voice of the people that we're called to serve right now. And so, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we hear from students um, that voice of I can't balance it all in the ways that we are expecting. Right. Um, We hear from students that I need to make a decision at what we would perceive to be the last minute to choose to come um, and enroll in courses. I hear students who say, I need to do this for a few years to know for sure that higher education or the educational experience you might provide fits um, with what to know that it's worth that investment of resources and time. And so those are the things that we're now challenging ourselves on in, in our leadership conversations to say, where do we have a gap in what we're currently providing and what our future students and learners are telling us they need and want to make us their top choice? Um, you know, we want to be their preferred choice. That means that we have to no longer expect that they're going to meet us where we are at and what we're currently providing. It's no longer let's just roll it out the way that we would desire it to be. It means we have to meet um, our learners where they are at and what they need so that they can a see the potential and, and many of them do, but see how they can tap into that opportunity and experience and it fits um, within the life that they're currently leading. So good. I, I heard you say, um, and steer this if I'm off, but I heard you say you, you, you all are practicing exercising the muscle of optimism and gratitude right away. So the the uh, Parkside Proud is that what you called it? Yeah, the Parkside, Parkside Proud. Proud moments. Yes. Okay. That that uh, I know that 
even if it's not a crazy difficult situation or an opportunity that's sitting in front of you or a big obstacle or a big undertaking, even if it's not that, I know the temptation in my own meetings to just jump in. <laughs> jump in, let's get this stuff done, let's check off the list. And the the power of jogging our minds to pause and be grateful and point out the the moments that that remember remember this is why we're doing it. Yes, we have to get through this, we have to get this thing accomplished, but remember the people. Remember the families. Remember, you know, whatever, whatever the Parkside problem is similar to uh, you know, at CCB, we 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 try to start off our uh, executive meetings and uh, individual one-on-ones with uh, you know a, a business best and a, and a personal best, um, and there have been many times where I've missed it. I've just jumped in, and I'm like, oh mm-hmm. shoot, sorry. Let's go back to the thing of it's more that's more important. You know, uh, yeah. how, how was that vacation with your with your spouse or whatever? So, yeah. um, I think the other the other thing I would point out, you know, that I've I had a few opportunities to, to to do thus far. Um, is, you know, after a difficult meeting in which, you know, we're, um, you know, having some intense discussion and um, different opinions, which is great because that's what I want all around the table. Um, I, you know, I, I will do a, a check-in. Uh, so before we wrap up the meeting and, and my wrap up, it's the question is, team, how are we doing? Um, how are we working together? Um, where do we have challenges? What can we do to improve our ability to be an effective team. Uh, and I think that's important because um, I do fully believe uh, that in order for us to address the challenges that we have, they are taxing. And it means, though, that we have to work together in a collaborative manner. And sometimes I've seen in challenging situations before when people maybe feel overwhelmed um, or uncertain, there's a, a, a tendency to want to draw back. And in all honesty, with these kinds of challenges, that's when I need my leadership team to lean in even further, to be willing to be somewhat vulnerable, to put those new, big, bold ideas on the table, uh, to be open to having others potentially um, critique, criticize, or build on uh, what someone has something to contribute and to recognize that that's a positive, not a negative, right? And so, um, you know, I think the other piece as we go through this work is constantly making sure that I'm um, building the team um, and asking the team to reflect on where we're being successful and effective and what are things that we need to do to make sure that we can be the strongest team we can be uh, in, in leading the institution, um, and I want to role model that because it's also important that my core leaders are going back to their teams and I hope setting up those same types of conversations because that's where those big, bold ideas come from. Mm-hmm. Yes, great. The um, I don't want to oversimplify it, but the healthy conflict or productive debate um, uh, we, we, we try to encourage that. I try to encourage that on my team as well, that the, you know, hold loosely to ideas, hold tightly to our identity. Um, let's, let's have this conversation. We could disagree, but the best idea wins, not the person, uh, with the biggest title or the loudest voice. So I, I, I think that is a fantastic way to display, to, um, to demonstrate, uh, vulnerability in action and to build trust within teams. So that that is very encouraging um, because you can have real conversations and create a safe space for people to say, this didn't work. 
Um, I think we should try this differently uh, without attacking each other. We're building something together. So um, a little bit of a turn. Uh, I would love to hear if there's anything that comes to mind. Again, there's leadership transition stuff that you're in the midst of. So maybe it's fresh. So what advice, let's say someone that is listening in who has a pending leadership transition broad sense. So either they are stepping in or they're witnessing a leadership transition take place or they're, 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 they're uh, retiring. They're the one that's stepping out or moving on and handing off the baton to someone else. When you look at leadership transition and, and this this move uh, with you to, to UWP, is there any advice that you would give someone listening in who is walking into a significant leadership change? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a few things as I think about um, approaching a transition like the one that I'm moving through, you know, one is, you know, certainly put at the top of your list, make sure that you're listening to understand um, to the best of your ability, not just to hear, but to try and understand what the organization is, is currently working on, why things are the way they are, what the history is of the place and the community um, that surrounds it. So really just, you know, put that listening um, on the front burner on high. (laughs) Second, I would say is to make sure that you take the time to be self-reflective and being knowledgeable about who you are as a leader and be confident in the strengths and skills that you bring um, to the table as a leader. And then within that, knowing, you know, where do you have your shortcomings or challenges because you want to make sure that you're complementing your strength set and skill set with others. Um, and so be confident in knowledge and knowledgeable, right? Self-reflective in who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, and make sure that you have others around you or you start to build others around you who can complement you. Um, and then I think the the third piece I would say is to be open. You know, certainly we all have past experiences that are rich and broad and diverse, but we've not heard it all. We've not experienced it all. We've not seen it all. And so don't jump ahead too far. Um, stay open to hearing and learning what's happening right here. And to make sure that, you know, you can pull on the strengths of what's what exists, right? And build forward. Even if it's a transformational build into something um, very different, it starts with the foundation that's currently here or in the place that you're going. And so I would say just to, to be open, to fully take in before you start to completely change. So good. So good. And You've touched on this throughout, but I'd love to succinctly ask the question to, to lay it back out for you to, to answer again if there's anything that we, that we missed. I would love to hear uh, your your vision for University of Wisconsin Parkside and also what drives the vision that you have. Again, I feel like you've, you've answered this question in, in part, but I'd love to try and consolidate it because this is a, a huge portion of uh, your bringing to this to this role now. Sure. Well, I think as we've touched on previously, you know, certainly I bring a passion that aligns so strongly uh, with Parkside's mission, and that's to transform lives. 
And that's a passion that I mentioned earlier, I identified with very early on in my career. And that's what drives me, right? That's what gets me up um, every morning and excited um, to come to the office, um, to come to work, to, to be on campus, to engage with others in the community. And so that aligns me right away. Um, with Parkside. And if, if you've engaged with Parkside, you know that spirit of and that commitment to our mission just is, is so evident. Um, and the faculty and staff and students and alumni um, that are here. So for me, it's about tapping into that that passion and that commitment and pushing forward on how do we um, and ensuring that we expand our programs and services um, to the learners that we're called to serve and thinking about learners very broadly from that student who's completing, you know, secondary education and could step right in to higher education, to that learner who chose to go straight into the workforce after secondary education and is now a few years in and is thinking, wow, I could use a little bit from an educational experience to get that next promotion or job opportunity or perhaps to make a career change. Or that that person who's maybe late in their career who says, you know what, I, I want to learn some new things um, and bring some different skill sets to the table in my current position. And so we want to expand the types of learners um, that we can impact. I think within that, then, a part of the vision is really thinking about the ways in which we offer our programs and experiences. So certainly we'll still have learners who want to come and spend that very traditional kind of four years with us and have that immersive uh, experience of living on campus and student life and, and as well as, you know, their academics. But we have many more learners um, that I mentioned earlier who want to fully engage in higher education but have to do that in a way that complements the rest of their lives, uh, life. And so um, I think we have some opportunities there to really think about how we, how we do that. And then thirdly, I, I think we've got some really unique opportunities here at Parkside to really deliver on the value of the educational experience. And again, fully pulling in and recognizing the work experience that our students um, are getting, um, either you know before they come to us or while um, they're learning with us. And there are ways now for us to more fully recognize that or support that. And you know we have some strong foundations in community-based learning, and we have strong foundations in, in internships and collaborations um, with um, businesses in our area and region. But I, I think we can really bring that to a new level, um, and such that we. Can can have something fairly special um, here in Southeast Wisconsin that enables our students to learn and excel, but enables our students to also continue to be a part of our workforce. That's great. That is great. Um, I have benefited enormously uh, by my interactions with uh, Parkside, graduating from Parkside. I was one of those students uh, that had multiple jobs that was paying for it himself and that was a transfer. And so uh, I have experienced that. Um, my wife was a transfer as well from a, from University of uh, Minnesota. And um, she transferred back to Parkside. And uh, so our family has benefited from uh, Parkside. And, and I'm excited about your vision for the next uh, iteration of 
learners and accessibility because it is very, very difficult because bills still need to be paid. <laughs> and and if you have a, uh, you know, kids of your own at the time, uh, those kids still need to be fed. And, uh, you know, so it's good. It's good. I got two last questions before we wrap up. And thank you again for taking time to do this. Um, I, I love this stuff. Uh, so the, the last two questions that I have, um, the first one is, what's something personally that you are looking forward to in the coming year? Yeah, you know, the, the moment I think I'm looking forward to most is commencement in May. <laughs> I love commencement uh, every year, but I think that is such a celebratory opportunity um, in which we recognize the impact um, that a we've had as a community, as an institution on the lives of others. And we get to see that celebratory moment of our students, of their families, of, you know, members of the community um, coming to get together to sort of recognize um, the impact um, that sort of happening right in front of us. And so for me, I, I just, that's such a special moment. And so I, I look forward to it every year, but it'll be different for me this May as chancellor um, and, and being able to engage in that celebration. And so personally, that's something I'm just super excited about um, because that's just, I don't know, a tremendous um, visualization and actualization of all of the, the work, dedication, sacrifice that everyone's put into hopefully helping that student kind of launch into and expanding their potential to pursue their dreams and passions and um, to engage in our community and region. So good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it as well. And uh, so the last, the second question that I have for you is what encouragement do you want to leave our listeners with? Again, another broad, broad question there, but uh, what encouragement would you want to leave the listeners with? I, I think, you know, my biggest encouragement um, for others is to find your passion and pursue it, whether it's even if it's just as a side hobby or um, something that you're dabbling with and you're not quite sure about. But I think that, you know, the the world of work can be all consuming at times and, you know, the journey can be long and what really makes it rewarding is if it's something that you have a passion for. As you mentioned, as we started at the top of our segment, you know, the challenges can be daunting and they can be wearing at times. But for me, what makes the difference that flips that challenge to really an opportunity is because of the passion. And so if you're passionate about the work that you're doing, about the difference that you can make, that challenge seems like a pretty incredible opportunity to pursue. And, and so for me, uh, when I speak with young people or others and they're like, you know, how do I find my path forward? How do I find my way? And I say, find what you're passionate about. Match that up with your skills and strengths and you've got a pretty magical combination um, that will take you far. Well, that is a fantastic way to close us out. Thank you again uh, for being here. Thank you for uh, coming on as the chancellor. I'm excited to continue to get to know you and, and see uh, see the incremental changes that are made along the way as you demonstrate and lead with passion uh, through through the transformation over the next 
uh, several years in, in, under your leadership as chancellor at Parkside. So thank you again for the time. Um, love doing this stuff and uh, looking forward to talking with you again very, very soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Okay, the part of the show where I do takeaways and action items. First of all, the takeaways, I've got two for you. Number one, passion is contagious, but so is a lack of passion. Who are you and who are you surrounded with? Number two, Parkside has a phenomenal new chancellor. Action items, number one, as you start a leadership transition or are starting to look at a coming leadership transition, ask questions, listen well, lead with passion, go boldly. Action item number two, it's a little bit different. If you aren't in a leadership transition, but you are watching or a part of a company going through a leadership transition, or you are seeing or experiencing a leadership transition, but it's not you. It's not you stepping into the role. It's not you leaving the role, but you're witnessing it. Give the benefit of the doubt. They are doing their best, hopefully. Give the benefit of the doubt. You don't have the full picture. Give encouragement first. Hang on to your criticism. And my last action, action item, excuse me, is more specific to those listeners in Southeast Wisconsin. My charge to you is get to know Dr. Aki. Give her time because her schedule is probably slammed, but get to know her. If you're at a networking thing, give her a word of encouragement. Come with some questions. Give her time to get back to you, but get to know her. She's a really great lady, and I had a really great time also getting to know her husband as well. Welcome her to our community. Now, if you liked what you heard, I have a simple ask. Send it to somebody. We want to bring value to more and more folks just like you, but we might not know who your friends are. I don't know if you know this or not. Actually, I can't tell. We can't tell who it is that's listening to the podcast. So when I see stats of downloads or partial plays or full plays, that's it. I don't see your IP address or anything like that. So um, even if I know you, I don't know that you've listened to it. So send it to your friends, send it to your family and, and send them a note of encouragement. Hey, I thought of you at this part. Check it out. You don't need to listen to the whole thing. Check out, you know, minute stamp here, minute stamp here. Send it to them. I've been on the receiving end of that and I've really enjoyed it especially ones that are longer because the reality is your friend probably won't listen to the whole thing. Now, commenting and reviewing us, that's helpful. Whatever platform you're in, Spotify, hit this five-star thing. Uh, I think Apple Podcasts, uh, you can still do the, the star thing and you can leave actual verbiage in there. Any of it's positive and encouraging to us and helps us reach more listeners. Scroll down in whatever uh, app you're using. If you're on your PC, you can scroll down, same sort of thing to see a spot, all caps, show notes. So that's kind of an ambiguous thing. People say, check the show notes. Where is it? Well, when you're on the page, when you're in the app, click until you have the actual show popped up and the episode popped up and then just look for the big words. That's how I do it. That say show notes. And then I have like little emojis pointing down. There's links in there to follow up with Impact Leadership and then also uh, ways to get to listen to the other 135 plus episodes we have in our podcast library. 
along with 80 plus blogs with practical leadership lessons. Check the notes and hit the links for more. I can't wait to be with you again soon. But until then, from us at the Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.